I don't see a problem here. You run them in series, <laughs> they're still going to pull out together. You run them in parallel, they're still going to pull out together. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. If you ran them in, yeah, if you ran two threes in, boy, that takes some soldering at work. It'd be worth I it. I want video of the fireball that happens <laughs> the first attempt. Okay. <laughs> Matt, I would handle that soldering. Hello and welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. This is Joe. And I'm Matt. Hey, you hit your cue. I know. Uh, we're on, what, episode <laughs> 57. We're going to talk about some games that we can play out at the field. And we have a special guest today, Jesse Hampton. Jesse, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having you again. We actually had Jesse on our Flight Fest episode, I think episode 54. Uh, he was out with Whatever us. Whatever one it was. I believe it's 54. Um, I remember looking at it just a little bit ago just to see which one it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jesse was with us all at Flight Fest, and every night we did our sit-down to, to chat about what in the world was we did that day, which was a wonderful haze of nothing but flying and, and air, RC airplanes. Uh, Jesse that was a was, good time. Yeah, Jesse, you were in on every night talking about all the nonsense we did. Yeah, that was a uh, a completely different style for us. So thanks for joining us on that on that journey, Jesse. No, it's my pleasure. Yeah, awesome. So J- Jesse, where are you joining us from? Tell us a little bit about yourself for the guests who don't know. Oh, I am in near enough to Portland, Oregon, just uh, other side of the country from you guys. Really, kind of enjoy a later afternoon absolutely well good um and you fly predominantly foam balsa uh pre pre-done kits uh i started with the started with the helicopters actually and when i got tired of spending 50 bucks a flight uh for repairs (laughs) i parked that and you must have the cheap helicopters no, they were, you know, a smaller <laughs> one, like the 400 size. Oh, yeah, you had size. the cheap ones compared to the 700 size. They're like 150 a, a flight. Long enough ago that they didn't have stabilizers in them. Oh, with the gyro for the tail, they didn't have anything else. No. Now I could probably fly a helicopter a little easier because they've got they've got safe mode on a helicopter. I can't believe it. Yeah, you hit a button and it writes itself and oh. hangs out. I mean, I hear it only works some of the time, but still, mm. I didn't have, it's like balancing an elephant on a balloon kind of thing. It just, I don't know, <laughs> hard. I parked that, and then I saw the flight test foam planes and cannibalized that helicopter for the parts to make my first foam airplane. Nice. I believe it was a mini scout, a mini simple scout, I think. That's a good plane. It flew fantastic. Three channel. Um, I could bounce it off the ground, trees, walls, dogs, whatever. It kept flying, <laughs> and it worked. Your poor dog. I got my brother into it at the same time. 
and he tried the uh, similar size, one of the minis something or others, Sportster, I think it was. Okay. His didn't fly as well. Not sure why. But I went from there to uh, the flight tests DR-1. Loved that plane. Flew that a lot. Tried a... You know, kind of just kept graduated. I went, did a little mini Stuka. Mm-hmm. And then the full-size Scout. And just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. And then one I flew the most of out of foam was probably... Chris's uh, Kit Fox that he'd made, the 50-ish inch mm-hmm. Kit Fox-ish model. Oh, that's right. I forgot and, he made that one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that was a really good flyer, and I flew that a lot until I went to some estate sales. I started picking up balsa planes. Oh, Lots yeah. of balsa planes, mostly in pieces, needing converted from fuel. I, I almost started flying fuel, but electric was easier, faster, a little more instant gratification. And that's, I haven't really looked back. I keep, I have every room nearly in the house has an airplane in it now. <laughs> I'm on the wall or parked. In, you know, I just picked up an 80 inch something or other. It's back behind me. And you've been to my house. How does it compare? <laughs> um, it's a different look, but about the same feel. I mean, every room has a plane at least. <laughs> but they're all, yours are all foam. Right. Yeah. Mine have, I have a lot of balsa airframes on the wall. Mm-hmm. It's a different scale of thing. You might have more planes, but mine take up as much room. Yeah. I think is how that might work. Yeah. That's I think Jesse just did a uh, quality over quantity yeah. bid on you there. Matt, I, look, oh, I was no. going to let that one go right past. <laughs> I wasn't. No, thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate that. And by the way, you're talking about Chris when you mentioned Chris. You're talking about our guest from. Episode 20, Chris McCallum. Yes, that Chris. Uh, he, he's made a handful of designs. Uh, the Dollar Tree foam board reptile dragon uh, one that we flew at Fight, Flight Fest was one of his designs as well. I still fly today. A great plane awesome. as well. I need to build one. <laughs> you My do. My <laughs> building of planes <laughs> right now has slowed down. Uh, summertime, got a lot of other hobbies going on. Like I just got off the water. I was kayaking all day. Yeah, hold on. I don't. Get- but we're going to come back to that, but I want to talk okay. to you, but I want to talk to our listeners. Uh, I talked to you about your, with our listeners about your kayak, but, uh, cause sure. I'm curious to see how the build skills that we learn in uh, balsa and foam building, how they translate to what you done with your kayak or vice versa. Okay. So we'll get back to that in a second, but continue on. No problem. Basically, I was just saying, I don't build much right now. I came back from Flight Fest with grand plans to build all these planes. <laughs> I am I am halfway through building that Flurkin. Oh, boy. Every Is that f- the half that's in my garage in a plastic I'm, bag? I, I am a little further along than that one got, but not much. Okay, so you're um, about a whole Flurkin in at this point. Yes, nearly. Two th- I keep but, forgetting I have that Flurkin out there. Dude, you need to build up. The Flurkins are to- so good. Anyway, go ahead. No, I, I, I want to build them, but they'll probably get built when it starts getting rainy. Right now, if it's nice out, I've got enough working planes on the wall that I'll just grab one and go. Yeah. I don't there need to build a plane to fly right now. And I haven't crashed any, so I don't need to repair them either. They just work. And that right now is where I'm at. I just go fly. Yeah, and you're, you're also – you have skills enough where you're not crashing your planes either. Well, I don't maiden them upside down low pass – 
either. So, oh, so you don't <laughs> flam like I do. I got it. <laughs> nice. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for kind of going through that briefly uh, with us here uh, as well as for our listeners. Um, so what we're going to talk about this episode, besides talking to Jesse a little bit more about some of his experiences um, and getting to know him a little bit more um, beyond what we learned in Flight Fest, uh, I also wanted to spend a couple minutes um, about talking about basically the kind of fun you can get into. I know we've talked a little bit about it, but some of the contests that you can have at uh, at your local club or at Fun, fun Flies or, or just when like if Joe, you and I get together, like any one of these are on the table of things we might want to try if we have the right kind of planes. We talked about the Stuka uh, last time and the Stuka is a dive bomber, which there's definitely a contest for a, that's perfect for that kind of plane if we decide to both build something like that and try uh, a dive bombing competition. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, uh, I want to thank all of our patrons uh, who've uh, helped us out so far. Uh, we really appreciate it. It helps keep us going and it helps. Uh, I don't know. We appreciate it. And if you think that the content is worthwhile, uh, join, a, join our patrons. Uh, Joe, what is the location that they can go to to join that? Uh, Patreon.com slash aviation RC noob. Okay. I believe. Yep. And I'm going to apologize to our patrons. Um, Thank you. Two Jesse. weeks have absolutely blasted by. They have. And I still haven't uploaded the rest of the show notes. Well, okay, um, but there's a whole year to sift through. Yeah, but it, it goes quickly enough. Fair enough. Like the, the process is quick. Okay. Um, I just, we got done with the last episode. Next thing I knew it was tonight <laughs> time to record again. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. Um, yeah, no, so I'll, I'll work on getting the rest of those. Okay. Um, up sometime. Uh, I also urge every one of our listeners, if you, if you like, and you want to join our community, I know we talk about our community every episode a little bit. Um, it's a very active group that talks planes, 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 and more planes. Full scale, partial scale, balsa, foam, whatever. If you've got a question, you got a comment, you want to know a little bit about something, uh, the group that's in there really is all about talking about planes. So um, join us in our Discord. We're going to have a link in the show notes at the very bottom. Uh, come in and join in the conversation. We'd love to have you. Um, it's a good community. It certainly keeps me uh, pushing back out to the field and out in the air, uh, both full scale and remote control. Um, so please, if you could, uh, we'd love to do that. Also, uh, if you, another way to help us is just spread the word, just let people know about the podcast, have them come out and listen, listen to us and see if, uh, if, you know, it's something that they would enjoy as well. It's something that you and, and your friend could talk about on top of, uh, the RC stuff that you do. So, um, it'd be a big help. We appreciate it. Uh, and what better way to advertise and spread the word <laughs> than wearing your new favorite T-shirt or hat? Oh, T-shirts and hats. What? Say it again? Yes. So, with cheesiness aside, um, Matt and I have been working on it kind of a little bit. We toyed around with it. We went ahead and got a little bit of a limited merch shop up and running. Yeah. Um, so, main thing that we wanted to have available was the listener mug and some sort of t-shirt. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a mug that can be got if you enjoy drinking coffee or tea. Um, or, that's for our listeners, says 
You know, it's got the podcast logo on one side, the other side. It says, I listen to hours of this stupid podcast, or I listen to hours of this podcast, and all I got was a stupid mug. Yep, and that, um, we may just have also podcast listener, I think is another one we might have on there. If we don't, we'll uh, have it shortly. I don't see that one. Yeah, we'll get yeah. that one out there shortly. And that then, mug is my favorite piece. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use that mug a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. And then um, we've got like a bucket hat and then a couple t-shirts. There's not a ton there because, I don't know, like merchant swag isn't isn't my strong point. So if you're looking, you're like, hey, I got this idea for a shirt. It'd be pretty cool that I'd like that, you know, feel yeah. free to reach out and let us know. Yeah. Or just, you know, as Matt and I think of something clever, we might throw it on a shirt and, and yeah, have it there. But, and have it there if you want to well, join it, right? Yeah, and I'm not really sure. Like, it's a weird public address to this thing, so link to the shop in the uh, in the show notes, and I'll throw a link on our web page. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, good. I almost forgot about that. Thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, I got you. Uh, at this point, I think we're going to go into the the community items that are happening. This is going to come out on Saturday morning. At least that's the goal. Uh, within hours of its release, if you're listening to this, go go, go quick. At 11 o'clock, the day it's released, uh, we're going to have a build party in our vid, uh, what was it, a build party uh, vid chat uh, mm-hmm. channel. Uh, we're going to be building between 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the 20th. Uh, that'll be uh, not very, Eastern time. That's Eastern Daylight Time. Um, and we'll be there for a while. I'm going to be building, I'll probably be finishing up the the wonder I'm working on. And then trying to build up uh, a glider. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what you're going to work on, Joe, if you're going to be there. Um, and then otherwise, just pull us up to your build table. Let's chat planes. Let's have a good time. Or be like Jesse, who shows up and just talks and never builds. I have a hard time doing two things at once. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk, build. And I'm just now being able to listen to your podcasts regularly. I'm quite proud of that. I found a method that works. Uh, I can do okay. two things at once now. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit because <laughs> we're going to come back to you. Will we? Yeah, we're going to talk to Jesse for at least a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, find out some things that he's been up to, and and uh, and then we'll get into our our topic. Um, you got you got more uh, housekeeping stuff. Yeah, just a little bit. I, I know I mentioned something. We've got a special uh, channel. I think we even have a, a link to it. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, we've got one of our, one of our listeners, Yankee, was it, I want to say 2003. I'm going to get it wrong now because, you know, I'm thinking about it. Um, Yankee 2003, I get it, get it right. Uh, he's one there of, one of our listeners, uh, uh, I believe it's Mike. And, uh, he was, he started a thing basically where he's on the flight test forms, kind of figuring out what are some of the best and cheapest ways to pull together a really good quality looking paint, like paint job, uh, something that turns a regular foam plane into something you can be really proud of. So he's pulling together a bunch of ideas and tests. So if you've got a couple of, of ideas that you think he might be able to use to help other people make spectacular planes, um, by all means, follow the link we'll have in the description down below. It's a link that goes to the flight test forums, his, his specific forum page on that, where he's building a Spitfire. The goal is to make a Master Series Spitfire look phenomenal for very cheap. So uh, if you have ideas, he'd love to hear them. I know we'd love to hear them in the forum. You can go into the general chat and just shout it out and just say, hey, Yankee, 2003, I got an idea. 
and I'm sure he'll be listening. So, um, nice. Also, if you have air venture pictures, stuff from Oshkosh or any kind of event, uh, we would love to, uh, we'd love to see what's been going on. Cause we can't get out to everything. And I love seeing the pictures of some full scale, uh, regalia on some planes, as well as some of the neat products and neat, uh, ideas that have been kind of at these different events. Um, believe we have a we have a text uh believe we have a text channel dedicated to it um so we're gonna uh so if you can join our discord and uh you know just send us some stuff or you can send us an email uh going through our website you can just uh, uh send it all you can also send it to aviationrcnoob at gmail.com and i'll reach joe and i both all right uh i think at that point it brings us out to what have we been up to so okay, let's. What have you been up to? I've I've been sick. I've I've been incre- I've been incredibly sick for like two weeks. Um, <laughs> what happened? I I got bronchitis Monday. I had the sniffles. By the end of Monday, I was coughing pretty hard. By Tuesday morning, I was trying to breathe, and it kind of stayed like that. Very exhausted on the couch for like a week solid. Uh, it's something that I haven't had happen to me in a long, long time. By Thursday, I was able to pull myself over to the doctor. He said, this isn't good. <laughs> he sent me for some chest x-rays. <clears throat> this is some of the residual, pardon me for the coughing. Um, and he gave me some medicine. I've been on the upswing since. Uh, but any anybody who's had some lower respiratory stuff knows that it doesn't take, uh, it takes a while to get out as long as it took to get mm-hmm. in. So I'm on my way out on that stuff, which is good. But it also means that for a week and a half of the last two weeks, I have been almost completely out of commission. And it really stinks because I had a lot of great ideas I wanted to test and then fix and then test again and try a new one and do that again in the week, um, which I was ready for. And then no, it just didn't happen. Um, But I did get out a little bit to, I had the Bandino ready. I realized I've had it ready for a while. I was like, I, you know what? Let me just double check that all the controls are working. I'm going to fly that one. Uh, and I also made a Flying Shark Jr., uh, which is basically like a an, an five-inch prop-sized little shark that's supposed to fly through the air. Baby. No, 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 not baby <laughs> shark. I call it Shark Jr. On purpose. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had to sing that song to some scouts. Junior Shark. Shark. Do, 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 do. All right. Okay. Sorry about that. I'll apologize. That's it. We're done. All right. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's the episode. Have a good time. All right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then the Savage Pan uh, 240. Um, I kind of went through it with a little bit more of a, I don't know about a finer tooth comb, but I, I spent a little more time with it and made sure that all the surfaces were working in the proper direction and the proper amount. Um, and I tried to maiden all three of those on one day. And I had the Bandito uh, cracked in half, <laughs> the wings uh, split in half, and the front went all crunchy. So that'll either have to be a rebuild or something. So that one's dead in the water for now. The flying shark tail uh, fell to pieces by the time, and it, it I couldn't get that to float, let alone fly. Um so I'm rethinking how I want to do that. I think that has something to do with the dorsal fin, not the dorsal fin, but the um, the side fins. I can't think of what they're called. Pectoral fins. Thank you, pectoral <laughs> fins. They're called what? Pectoral. Pectoral fins, yep. Make, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Yeah, I, I looked that up earlier. I totally forgot it. Uh, thank you, Jesse. It's okay. I've been living with fish people for a long time now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your wife is a fish person in a big way. Fantastic. Um, so anyway, it looks like I've got those anatomically correct, and it is awful for flight. So I think I need to move those back in line with the dorsal fin. Um, Sharks don't fly? Was that? Sharks don't fly. Okay. They, they uh, do in the water, but they don't in the air yet. Um, but there's, haven't you seen Sharknado? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I was hoping. Okay, so the idea is to make maybe one or two really big ones, but have a bunch of little ones that everybody builds a little shark. And we all go and throw them up at Flight Fest. And there's a Sharknado where we're all doing circles around each other. I'm just saying. That would, that would be something. With those, you, the, there was a flying turtle last year. If so he brings that out again, and we have maybe a jellyfish or two, like a quad that looks like a jellyfish. I'm just saying okay. it could be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so that, that didn't succeed. And while I was really disheartened about that, uh, it looked really good. I just, I, I, I need to rethink on how some things are worked. I think the biggest is probably where the, the pectoral fins are and maybe move uh, some of the control surfaces around. Um, but I, I think it should work. And I'm hoping to. And the SP240 uh, just, it, I, I could not get that to fly um, before, like, the engine mount fell to pieces. And that's probably just from a couple harder landings um, from before. So, I don't know. I may give up the ghost on that one. I may just rebuild it. Now, the jury's still out on that one. So, but I did try. And it, uh, unfortunately, was not a big success. What was the issue with your Bandito? Because that is one I'm quite interested in. It even went with us to Flight Fest. We just never it touched it. It did. I'm, um, I'm trying to think. It it uh, it rolled. Uh, I honestly, it the CG may not have been. It may not have been far forward enough. I mean, I don't have. Maybe the reflex wasn't correct. Although it doesn't look like there should be any reflex. But I mean, ultimately, I know that most flying wings kind of have some sort of reflex to kind of counteract, although it's not quite the same as a flying wing, but it's pretty close. Um, okay. I, I really, just, honestly, I, I'll have to go back. I did get some footage, so I'll have to take a look, but basically it was pretty unstable. I'm just, like I said, that is one of the kits I will be building. I was going to build it in balsa, but your design in foam it's like looks dip. just as good. Yeah, it's about the same. just as good, and I'd rather crash that. um well so i think what i'm gonna do is i that one's gonna be have to be rebuilt at this point um it could be that i didn't have big enough throws like i i have like little tiny arms on the servos themselves so i either need to reposition where they are on the wing maybe lower them down so the throws are bigger i don't know um but i'm probably just gonna have to rebuild that one and see if i can make it maybe make it bigger even though that was that was the exact scale that the balsa was. But by making it bigger, it gives me a little bit more leeway to figure out exactly how to get it to fly right. So um, it's like it's not dead in my head, but uh, that version of it is gone. <laughs> I'm going okay. to have to rebuild I, it. I'm actually curious again about the, the foam board Dragon. I mean, we really like that plane. Have you flown it since Flight Fast? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a couple times. And every time I do, I get a comment from somebody at the field going, Dang, that thing flies and good. Look at that. Have Look you how redesigned good. the could? Sorry, have you redesigned the control surfaces so it turns going faster? <laughs> or just that's a feature now. Um, I like to call it a feature. 
Um, so la- <laughs> last time I flew it, uh, either somehow I'm not getting the same amount of punch out of the motors, um, or maybe there's a different elevation, or I don't know what. But basically, it it the surfaces still work. They're they're a little slow, right? Like they're a little slow and actually working, but they do work. Uh, they just they don't completely fail like they did at flight pass. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, um, less improvement. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, it seems to work okay. Uh, last time I flew it, I busted the tail a little bit, like I cracked the tail. So the seam between the main body and the tail section had opened up a little bit and loosened. So I had to basically re-glue that and put some tape on it. Um, I haven't brought it out again, but other, everything else about it is, like, still solid. So, um I don't, I don't see any reason despite it going through the paces and then some. That is another I'm going to have to build. It see, is durable, capable, and a lot of fun. Oh my God. Plus you can put a lot of battery in it. Like I'm using the 6S battery that, that you, you had, the, the 1600 6S. But you yeah, can put yeah. in there like a 5,000 amp hour three cell and have that thing just fly for days. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, not kidding at all. And that was with stuttering motors. Now that the motors fly fine, because I, I, I resoldered, refloat all the solder, I, I really just need to get a good FPV system on there that I can rely on. And I'll just be flying that thing for days. And I'm looking forward to it. So it, it really is pretty versatile. Now right. you just need an internal switch to go from 3S to 6S in flight. Don't. Don't give me ideas. <laughs> Don't give me ideas. I, I got a good idea. That's here. a good idea. Two 3S batteries side by side, and you just go bloop, and you, you click it, and they both, rather than being parallel, they go in series, like a series parallel switch. That'd be messed up. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want a relay. No, I know. I, I, right. You'd have to be an electric relay. But at the same point, like, that's not a good idea, because if you have two, if you have half your battery that's like, you know, down by 20%, as far as capacity and you switch it to be what uh series now all of the juice that's in the one that's full is rushing into the three that the three cells that are now 20% less. And that's going to potentially create a big problem. Um, that's the reason why when you, when you charge batteries, they have to start at the same voltage and you want to balance charge them all. I don't see a problem here. (laughs) <laughs> you run them in series, they're still going to pull out together. You run them in parallel, they're still going to pull out together. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. If you ran them in, yeah, if you ran two threes in, boy, that takes some soldering at work. It'd be worth I it. I want video of the fireball that happens <laughs> the first attempt. <laughs> okay. Matt, I would handle that soldering for you. I'd do I, that. No, I'm not. We just have to figure out how. If it works, I want credit. We no, we work. need we need a we probably need a solid state relay. Yep. And I'd have to think about it because we we'd want for for in for in parallel. That's no problem. It's just hooking them up. No, you're li- you're literally just doing a switch from like a loop versus making it a parallel. Yeah, but you gotta be able to make it. You gotta be able to make it. Uh, in series without also still remaining in parallel. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. It, it's a worthwhile sure, endeavor, sure that's it, for sure. I'm sure it can be done. 
I bet and, you it's already I'm been done. I'm looking forward to seeing this idea happen. Probably right. <laughs> I know, right? Because then you have 3S, uh, was it? 3S 4,400 4, amp hour, so 4.4 <laughs> amp hour battery, right? 3S or 2200 6S, depending on how you want to, and just use standard batteries. The standard yeah, 2200 You get 3S. done loitering and you get bored, you just kick it into high gear. Whee! That's going to be awesome. <laughs> that's that's Thank happening. You, I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> but that's that's basically <laughs> now you give me another part. Jeez, I, I don't feel like know. I derailed this here for a second. No, you um, you got fantastic. my wheel spinning. That's the only problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's really it. Uh, again, I'm working on the wonder, um, which I'm going to make look like a, a, a pack of wonder bread basically flying through the sky. Um, and then I've got the, the, the glider I'm going to start building. That's modeled after the uh, leprechaun, I think. If you, okay. I know John Woodfield built one that looks amazing. And of course his videos are just so pleasing to watch. Look it up. Yeah. I get, I get jealous watching those. I know. Right. You're like, man, how does he do that every time? Um, all right. What about you, Joe? Uh, or Jesse, would you like to jump in? Yeah, go ahead and let Jesse. Yeah. I forgot what the question was. Uh, what have you been up to, what man? What have you been working on? Uh, honestly, I picked up a lot of extra work, so I haven't had too much time for building or flying, but I have gone out flying at least once a week, just stuff I've had. Been taking out, trying to learn a bit more pattern flying. Okay. Trying to do a show. Like a, a sequence? Sense, basically. Yeah, go from a loop to a figure eight to... You know, Cuban 8 to whatever. Just okay. thinking far enough ahead in my flight to patch things together. None of it's pretty, I'm sure, but I'm having a lot of fun <laughs> flying the uproar and what I've called Old Yeller because I have no idea what it is. Hey, look, it's if for some same. reason you ever want to get rid of that uproar, just reach out to me <laughs> and let me know what you want me to take it off your hands for. Um, Probably isn't going to happen. Uh, that thing is, I fly it every time. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. You were going to make one out of foam, weren't you? I, I was. I still want to. <laughs> it's it's exactly. on the list of many things. It's just unfortunately it, the list keeps growing, doesn't it? Yeah, unfortunately keep think keep people uh, keep putting things into my inbox on top of it. See, I I went down to an event south of me in Eugene called Monster Fest. They put on there. It's a lot of. Oh yeah. It's almost an uh, an RC air show, really. That was well organized, keeping planes in the sky all the time to entertain me because I didn't have a plane with me. I rode my motorcycle down because fuel's expensive. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I had a great time though, even when I wasn't flying. They did a lot of different uh, activities, competitions, and really showed off some some skills there and some great planes. So, what what kind of flying? What's going on there? I mean, you said it's kind of an exhibition, but. It is called Monster Fest, and there were a lot of big planes. We're talking, you know, 100-inch, 90-inch. Okay, 8 uh, inches or bigger. Three, three, 3D planes. Okay. They had small, they had this little kid down, he had to have been like 8, I don't know. He was flying his little red two-engine foam plane that you it goes up and down by throttle. There's no real control. But he was out there flying with the big boys, too. He was having nice. fun. But they, awesome. they had, I uh, forget what they called it, but they just had a... Freestyle competition. You had two and a half minutes to show what you got, and audience voted. Um, they had some 
exhibition type stuff from one of the vendors out of Seattle, Northwest something. I' gonna have to look that name up. I've forgotten it. Okay, great people. Okay, if you uh, if you tell us uh, if you tell us in a little bit, we'll make sure to put a, a link in the show notes. Just so I will. People I will can look that up. Yes, go take a look. And just really good, fun group of people to fly to fly with or just watch. Lots, mm-hmm. I say lots, because it's more than I've ever seen. There are three or four planes with five-cylinder radials in them. Oh, just wow. Hearing them, yeah, just hearing them fire up was uh, just made me kind of drool. Because yeah, those are, <laughs> at that point, they're like quarter scale, right? At least. I, I don't know. I don't know the scales. There was a Corsair. There was a... I don't know the names of the planes now. It's been a week. <laughs> and it was hot. It's just some really cool planes there. Yeah. They 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 did they had some fun. They they had a competition for limbo and a couple other things going on. Is that the one Oliver uh, was posting a couple pictures where there's a lot of hay bales? Yes. And there was an yes. unfortunate crash into the hay bales after. <laughs> that was during the freestyle event. That pilot's time had elapsed. He was done showing off. And the last minute he decided to do a knife edge around this bale that was out a ways. Just misjudged the turn and hit the bale instead of going around it. Oh, no. uh, and we're talking not not like a hay bale, like he's it's a stack of bales, like yeah, a building size. Hay yeah, bale. it was it was probably about uh, ten or fifteen like hay bales high and like five deep or something, like a solid wall of them. Yeah, that plane uh, didn't make it back in one piece. <laughs> he did win the freestyle competition. Nice. Maybe style points. Maybe they felt sorry for him. But no, he flew really well before that <laughs> as well. Okay. Um, yeah, so congratulations bun- to him. There was a bunch of different... One guy had a smoke system I'd never seen. Just I experienced a lot of new things that event. It's just a scale and type of plane I don't see where I fly, and I've never done myself. Okay. Nice. So, so one of the reasons to go out and check out some of the events in your area... Because you may just go, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, Absolutely. We've got, you know, three or four clubs local-ish to me. That one was probably the farthest. It's Mm -hmm. almost a two-hour ride. But there are other clubs close by that have just got a different group of people and a different uh, mindset and type of flying. And you might find something you hadn't been exposed to. Excellent. Well, that sounds awesome. That's a good way to spend a weekend. Nice. Well, uh, I guess that- they will probably they were, sorry. They will probably throw an airplane at you too. It's like I went down there and like here we here fly this plane. You can just take it up. And it's a uh, like a hundred and some inch airplane. I've never flown anything like it. Like, <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. Like I I get nervous flying my planes around people, let alone someone else's. But right. they're all very nice, <laughs> and you might get the chance to do something you oh, might not right. normally. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. That's awesome. So uh, what? Uh, like you said, you flew your uproar and a couple other goodies, and then did that event. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty busy couple of weeks, even though you said you were busy doing other things. So a good way to spend. Yeah, I started thinking back about it. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, spending some quality time in the hobby. Nice. Joe, what about you, bud? Anything? I know we talked about um, you doing some 3D printing. Yeah, so I I was starting on that and then wanted to print some um, some coins. I, I do a D&D game on Monday nights. Say it ain't so. And yeah, and uh, I wanted to print some some coins for them, and that so in the process of printing those, it 
gummed up the head again. Oh yeah. Um, so not not really a whole lot there. Um, and then did you ever get that figured out? Um, not yet. Like I, I figured the bed's just gotten out of level again because I'm having such a hard time getting getting stuff to not stick. Like I need it to come off. <laughs> and I'm doing a, like, no raft, no, I think I'm doing maybe a skirt just to kind of prime the, the tip. Okay. But I can't get, like, the coin, I couldn't get to come off the pad. Now, do you, um, is it a, do you have a glass surface or do you no. have uh, the magnetic? Because one of I wouldn't even call it, one of those. I wouldn't even call it magnetic. I've got little binder clips that help hold it in place. Well, okay, so. Uh, one of the ones that Ender 3 comes with like a, basically a plate that you can pull off. It's actually magnetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes off, you can flex it, and that helps you get things off. Yeah, I've, that's how I've been doing it. I'm just worried that the flexing wasn't really its intent. It, it is. And that I'm bending it. Well, if if it's that kind of plate, then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look into that. But, well, but yeah. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> one of those is set so that you can do that. Because that is one of the easiest ways to get some of the models off your plate. Um, another one is to put Teflon coating, but then you won't ever have it stick. So that's not very helpful. <laughs> Just yeah. So I've got I've got this one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that's designed so that you can you can pull it off and it, yeah. I mean you're not like trying to like bend it, but you're just a little twisting action. Um, just a, a minor amount of bend allows you to kind of get under it. And see the like the starting run yeah. gets on there. Oh, that yeah, that and looks like you gouged it a little bit. Not gouged. No, that's just. Is that on top of it? Oh, well, you you are probably seeing some gouge lines in okay. there. But no, th- this is this just that primer run the the first line that prints. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But like some areas, like th- this black line here, yeah, that's on it. That is like paper thin. There's no thickness to it. It's just in the texture of it now. Oh, okay. So I have like there's I have some stuff. Through, I've gone through three new surfaces for my uh, printer. I'm on the third one now. Yeah. Because eventually I, they wear out. Mm-hmm. And one time yeah. I was printing those kind of lines, and I was just too too close to the bed on the first run. Clogs it up. Puts that smear that you can't get off. And yeah. Uh, after that, I bought a new bed. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm going to have to get a new bed because... Uh, uh, I would urge you to get a plate glass bed. That's what I use. Uh, those are honestly... So they, they are dead flat um, because of the way they're constructed. How? And they're... They, things. It's glass, so it's a lot more durable in the sense that you can get a scraper and kind of like kind of sand it down to like a more chiseled edge. And you can you can get up underneath it. See, Jesse's showing you his, and then basically you just side, put on one side like this side up, so you don't scrape the wrong way. Because inevitably the scraper has a little bit of a curve to it. You don't want to so the the outside edges dig down. You want it to be a scoop, and that's what you want. You can dig at. Um, this particular glass plate has a coating on it that is supposed to grip your part until cold, and then it releases. Oh, that okay. Works, that works for a while. But yep. it definitely releases better <laughs> cold. Well, it releases. I, I get impatient, try to pull it off while it's still hot, and it does not come off. Wait till it hits room temperature, comes off. I don't yeah. know. It's magic. 
But generally, <laughs> I'm firing up a print, and by the time I get back, it's already been done for a couple hours. No, I have to right. be careful of my um. I have to be careful of my chisel, uh, my my putty knife that came with it. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't think it, but I couldn't figure out. It was shortly after I first got it. Man, my thumb was getting like all cut and sliced up. You know, so you're taking a knife and just doing that number across it. Yeah. Like, just, like, like I was just sitting there lacerating my thumb. It wasn't, like, that Ooh. deep, but it was just cut, 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 like cut. Like little paper cuts, almost. Yeah, and I was just like, where are all these cuts coming from? And I had them on a couple fingers, huh. and I could not figure out where it was coming from. And, and a couple of them got real deep, and so I had to, my thumb all, like, Calloused and hard skin, and like I went in yeah. there, you know, peeled it out and all that. But come to find out, it's that putty knife. Huh. The the edges of it are sharp. Are sharp. Yeah. Like on the on the handle. No, on the blade on the sides of the blade. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. If you're pushing using that, that's that's not okay. <laughs> I mean, that'll cut you. I mean, obviously, it's just metal. I mean, it's, yeah, but I mean, like that. It's punched. It, 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 it comes to a 90-degree angle, I guess, because yeah. it, it sure is mess. I mean, if you've got to cut my thumb right up. If you have a burnisher, you could certainly round that over so that you're not getting cut as much but or, or grab well, a file. I didn't file. know I was getting cut to begin with. Now I do. <laughs> I would recommend to anybody listening and you guys, too. I did sharpen mine. It's knife sharp. Um, make sure your hand isn't on the other side of the thing when you're trying to break it off. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Safety, almost like right? you you know? Know, don't start a, a motor up with a prop on it facing you. Right. Yeah. You only do that once, though. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well. So, okay. Um, I'm sorry. To, I. I. You know. Look. Th- 3D printing is now uh, an integral part of this hobby. It seems for a lot of uh, hobbyists. So that's quite, kind of why I wanted to get into that. Like, what are the things that are stopping you from getting further down this part of the hobby? Right. Um, laziness well that's not entirely true <laughs> like you had a snag and we all hit snags and they kind of like oh boy I, I can't finish this rest of this project i have to move on to some other part until i can get time to really address the issue um mm-hmm. so it just i'm curious to see what kind of issues you're running into because you're not the only person who runs into that issue jesse and i have both they, run into that exact they, same issue ourselves too the printers are their own hobby um, oh, yeah. mine, be careful who you show it to. Cause everybody at my field now wants me to make them airplane parts. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just, I just made a canopy for a guy for his airplane. He didn't have a canopy. So, yeah. you know, cowlings, whatever. It's like, Oh, you can make, you have a 3d printer. Oh, Hey, let, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just start charging. Yeah. They'll pay. Yeah. They- yeah. Start charging. Next thing you know, you got, uh, funds to get a second one going. Come on now. Nobody said it needed to be a business. I mean, the person well, I'm just but, getting but enough. When you, yeah, you but know. when you got the second one, then you have the capacity to do the stuff that other people are asking you to do, and you can still get your stuff done. This <laughs> is like, well, yeah, that's why I bought the second one. Well, I do have my eye on a new printer. I haven't done that. Yet. <laughs> I like, no, I've got one. I've got one. I don't need a reason. I just need to sit down with my A eight eight and actually get the darn thing running. I'll have two. Um. But it's just, it hasn't been worth my time in a long while. Anyway, all right. Uh, so other than the 3D printing that is kind of on hold for now until you sort out your nozzle issue and or, and or printing bed. Um, I know for a long while, I was just taking literally painter's tape 
and and like masking across with like wide painters tape and then putting just a little bit of glue and and that way if it ever got too stuck i just take the take the tape right off the darn stuff and then i can hmm. i can work the tape off the part or sand it if i have to or whatever but i wasn't ruining my print bed ultimately as as kind of i did that for a little while with my a8 um but i so I, ultimately, if you can wait for it to cool completely, and then I would say get a putty knife, but but sharpen the edge so that it's a fine point, so you can really kind of get under that that front edge of the of your piece. Because once you can do that, usually it comes off. Once you okay. once you pry up that front edge a little bit, if you haven't cracked your piece, <laughs> you'll yeah. You'll, if I you'll never be able get the putty knife under it, yeah. So you want to sharpen that for that reason. And again, don't put your hand behind it if you've got a sharp putty knife. You will stab yourself mm. pretty good. <laughs> Inevitably, that's when you're gonna like it'll come off easy, and that's you know you don't want that anyway. Nobody needs to go to the hospital for that. All right, uh, were you working anything on any anything else with the hobby? Um, not not terribly. Um, that's right. You said getting, it's been the, busy. getting the man cave cleaned up a little bit for the build party, but then I'll probably also just be building out in the garage. So <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look, I mean, honestly, cleaning up your own space uh, for the hobby is always, and, and that's, unfortunately, that's a necessity of the hobby, I think. The, the perpetual, yeah. boy, I do need to clean this up, don't I? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this Saturday, I'll be building something. No, I'm not sure yet. Not sure what yet. It'll be something. Okay. Well, good. I'm looking forward to it. Figuring out what. All right. Well, I guess that brings us oh, around yeah. to talking with uh, Jesse, let, letting us... Uh, Letting us know a little bit more about Jesse. If you want to see what Jesse looks like, he and I are featured. Okay, I don't know if we're featured. Oh, no. But <laughs> Peter Sreeple has sent up his like 34-foot monster video from this last flight fest. He put together his own video. Well, apparently, he was piloting it from directly behind Jesse and I. I'm in the blue shirt, <laughs> and Jesse's in his derby hat. And we're both standing there, you know, flying our plane. Uh, he's my spotter during that combat. So we're in there uh, a couple different times, if I recall right. <laughs> so what you're saying, if they want to see us from our backside. Yeah, if you want to see our best side, it's certainly better yeah. than the front for me, at least. Um, and uh, I if have you, to say that was a, I would say that was a really well put together video. It really showcased that combat. Yeah, battle. yeah, it did. Uh, I think better than all the other combat videos that I've seen for that combat. Um, it was cool. Yeah, I, and I think we. Uh, the plane we were flying was featured in it at 11.03 seconds, very specifically, because it zooms past in that second. Almost takes out the drone flying next to it. I almost, I'm trying to think, I, I zipped over top of what the motors and came around. Yeah, you, you came over the nose and motor section of the giant plane. And as you were diving back down, nearly took out the drone. You got a beautiful view of the underside of your plane at that moment. At that moment, right. <laughs> it, it's it's very it's like one very split second frame that, that covers the and it'll be a dragon motif on the bottom because it's, it's Chris's Chris McCallum's Dollar Tree foam board dragon reptile dragon uh replica. Um so I did the dragon motif on the bottom. It, again, that was that was such a good combat. So let let's talk about now that you've gotten back from Flight Fest. Um, what have you have you been doing a whole lot in the hobby? You've been taking a break, or was it just 
sort of like okay, that was a lot. <laughs> What's the fallout I, from all that? I didn't fly for about two or three weeks afterwards. I just picking up pieces from being gone, uh, picked up a couple jobs. But then when I finally got back out to the field, I went like three or four days in a row. And I actually started talking to a couple of the other f- pilots out there about doing combat. Oh. Now, there's one other guy at my field that's like, yes, we need to do this. And everybody else is like, oh, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we're going to start with uh, ribbons, at least. Okay. And Stream try to cut, cut ribbons instead of instead of destroy each other's planes like we do it in Flight Fest. <laughs> <laughs> so at least we're going to start with combat as in a ribbon cut and mm-hmm. see how that goes. Just okay. to get used to flying close with another person that you somewhat trust yeah. in this case. Um, yeah, now that you've had that experience of being out of Flight Fest. And we're hoping <laughs> that it'll become more and more popular as people at our club see it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe more people will want to join in. Now, most of the pilots there have store-bought foam planes or big balsa planes, so they might be cautious of wanting to get close to other planes okay so we might also teach them how to make a nice cheap foam plane who knows right um let's see i know there's there's a couple epp foam wings um that are probably good candidates for combat because they i mean you could bounce them into stuff and into the ground and all that stuff and it there'll be almost no consequence to it um i'm trying to i think it's a bonsai 2 like 600 millimeter like a little mini wing and it's basically, I think it's made from EPP uh, kind of hot cut out of that material. And EPP foam is very resilient. Okay. I imagine our um, games at the field may escalate. This other pilot that <laughs> we're talking about doing combat, he's regularly out there doing, you know, head to head passes with two Avanti, you know, crossing paths and, at 110 miles an hour. So he's, he'll be fun, I think, to get some excitement out there and, and try that. Yeah, that'll be fun. As a matter of fact, it's it's almost like the same conversation we had at my field, which is part of where we brought up the topic we did today. Because um, we're just like, oh, does anybody want to do combat? And I'm like, and, you know, I've got the same kind of crew like you do. We're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, like, here's the deal. I, I recognize everybody's worried about safety. And with any kind of combat, if something goes wrong in a plane, there's always a concern that the the plane's out of control. It could be a danger to somebody. I said, from my experience, I've been to three or four different flight fests and watched three combats a day for four days in a row with hundreds of pilots. And I'm, I'm going to show you a video here in a second. I'm not kidding about hundreds of pilots all going around. I said they've made some safety improvements over the years, and I think they're they're good ones where you you pull a little bit away from the spectators, you start your combat there, you know, and you throw it out even further, and then when you're done, you pull away from that combat line. That what a great uh, safety! It, it's not a big safety maneuver, but it's enough where you're really giving yourself extra space. Um, but the combat's easy to see, so you know, being twenty feet or you know, hundred feet behind the the main line isn't an issue. Um, yeah. So we, I got, had the same kind of deal. Like one is like, dude, I'll build one, you know, I'll build a foam thing. We'll, it'll be all right. I'll see you out here next week. 
And of course, I, I reached out to him specifically. I was like, I've been on the couch all week, so yeah, I'm not going to be able to get one. He's like, dude, it's been rough on my end too. Uh, how about, ooh, not next week. How about, let's uh, start a school. How about three weeks from now? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, yeah, so so you had that kind of conversation. You got two guys are hoping to kind of start up a, a bigger league. Yeah, I think we want to experience it and in a way show it off to the rest of the group that it might – and even get a fleet of these foam planes that we kind of just have for that. Like we might just build a, a collection of them. For anybody that wants mm-hmm. to try it, let's go. Don't worry about your plane. Don't worry about my plane. Just be yeah. kind of almost disposable. Like Maybe like you, you build them. one for you and then you have like an extra one. Be like, look, just do, right. do you have a receiver? Just put it in here, get it running, mm-hmm. and then like, let's do it. So if this is all still, you know, back of the napkin plan kind of stuff. We haven't done anything yet, but there's interest. And Good. especially after seeing it in person myself, it's like, yeah, I want to do more of that. Okay, perfect. I even see here that there's uh, what looks like uh, it's EPP, but it almost looks like a, a KMF uh, step wing. It's even simpler. Uh, anyway, cool. Uh, that that actually plays in better today than I thought it was going to. Um, <laughs> let's see. What about? Let's see. We'll. What did you think about needing a spotter in the combat? Do you feel like, at what point do you think it is necessary to have a spotter in a combat? For the combat, I thought that was perfectly reasonable. Yeah, Yeah. I think that was perfectly reasonable. We had 100 planes in the air and 100 people or plus, you know, lots of people flying, lots of people spotting. And yeah, at that scale, absolutely. In fact, when I was spotting your flights, I really didn't watch your plane. No, I noticed. Because you are focused on your plane, and I'm focused on things that might be coming in to hit you. And Mm -hmm. that's the idea, right? We've got chaos in the sky. And, you know, I've dumped my plane as it came towards the audience because I knew I was coming towards the audience, so I just dumped it. Somebody else might not have that reaction time or even know their plane is going towards the audience. And so your spotter's there to you know, tell you to duck. Yeah. Really? Yep. So it's not about you being safe flying. It's about protecting the pilot that's flying. Really? Now, if there's just, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, you know, when there were just a few people flying in the morning, no. Uh, when you're, even when there was 20 planes in the sky and it wasn't combat, you're just, the risk isn't there. You're not trying to knock each other out of the sky. Then I don't feel it's as necessary, but at an event like that, a blanket statement is easier to enforce than when is this? When is that? Did we have enough people? Mm-hmm. So for flight fest, a blanket statement, always have a spotter worked because you didn't yeah. have to question when do I need a spotter? Right. Exactly. That was pretty simple to follow. Um, <clears throat> I know local fields. I mean, we've got maybe 30 pilots on a, on a really good fun fly. Um, I can imagine not needing a spotter for much of that. Maybe, maybe having two safety guys, safety monitors who have like an air horn, like they have a flight fest where you're just saying like, Hey, there's one coming close to the flight line. Everybody kind of watch out. 
Um, but but I uh, think that's naturally going to happen when you're at your own club or if you've got a small event. The audience is watching, you know? Yeah. Everybody is, should be, it should be announced that to the audience that, hey, keep an eye on the skies. Or if somebody sell, yells, look out, you know, do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. Uh, everybody should kind of be a spotter anyway. Mm-hmm. You should never be near a flight line and ignoring it. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Okay. All right. Well, so one of the things I've noticed is that uh, as I've watched you, because we've been on the forums uh, a bunch together, that's how we got to know each other uh, personally. You started with foam and you moved to balsa and you've kind of come back to foam and went back to balsa. You've kind of gone all over the place. So what's your take on on all that? Um, As Joe and I, I know I've been kind of leaning out towards the balsa and I haven't fully set up an area to just get hog wild into it. But, um, that is coming quickly. Um, especially as I look at all my balsa kits going, why haven't I started that? Um, I, I wanted to know like, what, what's your thoughts and how, what was your journey? Well, as I stated earlier, my journey was <coughs> foam. Absolutely. And I wanted to get my brother to fly with me. And I figured out that at the time, I could get him in the air, plane, radio, motor, receiver, everything for just under a hundred bucks. Okay. And then if he crashed his plane, it was like $2 to repair it because foam. And he thought that was a great idea. And so that's how we started. And being new, I knew I was going to crash my planes a few times. So I didn't <laughs> start balsa. Okay. Um, I've, I actually had a balsa kit, but I was still going to fly foam until I felt confident enough that I wasn't going to crash it too much. Okay. So was your goal ultimately balsa when you started? Not necessarily. I just happened to have picked up a kit. Okay. So you knew like you were going to try that one at at least at some point. I like building things. I like trying new things. I like teaching myself new skills, whether or not I follow through in the long run, (laughs) I've learned that skill and I wanted to do that with planes as well. Okay. So I made the balsa planes... Actually, I picked up a couple second-hand balsa planes and flew them. So that was the most nerve-wracking flight. Well, second most nerve-wracking flight. Your first balsa <laughs> plane in the air, you're like, man, if I crash this, it's gone. That was what I thought. Right. I have since learned they're, depending on the type of damage, more durable than foam in some cases. Okay. They can take more beating without deforming. Um, okay. They've got a higher threshold. But once you cross that threshold, there's more damage. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, so once it cracks, it's bad. But, but it can take more I beating before f- it gets there. And then I also found that wasn't as scary either. Before I even flew the uproar, I broke the tail on it. Um, I had a battery <laughs> with the Velcro side up, the grippy side of the Velcro up on a shelf, and it just <clears> caught <throat> on my sleeve or something, fell onto the tail of the uproar, cracked the tail oh. one of the elevators. And I was devastated. It's like, balsa, what am I going to do? Five minutes later, is stronger than ever. It's not like foam where there's always going to be some extra squishiness or extra glue there. I don't know. If, if you ever, like, I did this as a kid in school a lot. You break a pencil and you squish it back together and it looks like it's not broken. Yeah. That's, well, that's what balsa does. And you just put a little glue in there and it's good as ever. Okay. And I also just put in a little extra you know, gusset or something in there. Ironed the paper back down. And it was like it never happened. Hmm. And I was shocked because in foam, you can't ever get it to its original state. Yeah, it, it doesn't come back. <laughs> it. 
So, and I just picked up at the last big swap meet we had a 90 inch glider and it's polyhedral. Okay. So one of the tips that bends up a bit was really floppy and it, I, it had some ribs that were broken in there. So I just peeled the paper back, plastic, whatever the covering is, and, you know, straightened it out, put the pieces back that were, put some CA in there. Mm-hmm. I added in that case, a couple extra pieces of wood to strengthen it up. It's good as new. You can't tell it's been broken. Okay. So they are repairable unless you really come in and destroy it. And yeah. How much if, work do you If you dump thumb it in those, those first, it's, right. it might be done. My very first balsa plane that I built from scratch, that was the most nerve wracking. But it flew so well. It flew brilliantly. Uh, I have broken one of mine on Maiden. It was, um, I'm not, I, I suspected the design. Before, when I built it, it's like, this really should be stronger. But I built it to the specs of the plans, and it turns out that's where it failed. <laughs> I came in a little hard, and the tail fell off. It literally broke in two. The empennage just straight in half. Hmm. I haven't fixed it yet, but it's the same idea. I'm just going to put the pieces of wood together, glue them up, put a few uh, splints on it. Probably be good as new. Okay. So I have, I'm less nervous about flying the balsa planes now because I have fixed some. And it wasn't as bad as I thought. Okay. Um, now, your background, in some ways, is a bit of a woodworker, if, even if just amateur. Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's talk about one of one of the things that you were working, you were using today that you had built yourself. Um, and yes. I want to know, kind of, how does that, how does that construction method, does that play over into what we do in RC or, or were, what were some of the skills that carried over from woodworking? Actually, I built it first. Before so I what would, would you build? Planes. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I built a cedar strip kayak and it took me a couple of years in the garage because it was kind of an off and on project, but it builds looking back on it, very similar to some of the balsa airplanes I have. It's, I took a, from plans, it was a 16-foot kayak that I stretched to 18 and a half feet because I wanted it faster, basically, and carry more weight. So I modified these plans already. I get after people for modifying the airplane plans. And of course, <laughs> I stretched my boat straight away. But it, it has a, a strong back, basically your build table, that you attach a skeleton to. It's the ribs okay. of an airplane, of the fuselage ribs, basically. All right. That you then take strips of cedar and form along those ribs, glue it all up, and when you're done, you just, for a kayak, you just pop the ribs out. You don't use them once it's done because it's a fiberglass wood construction that's strong enough. But I have an airplane, uh, Yak-23, I'm building the exact same way. It's got the internal ribs, and I'm using 8-inch strips of, or 16 by 8 strips of balsa, and I'm making it exactly the same way. And which is very similar to uh, when they built like the large galley ships. They did the same thing. They built frames yep. and they basically put the, the planks along the side. And as long as they all fit together and were effectively watertight, you just kind of roll them up along the side and steam them and set them and then nail them in. And, and it's it, it, very interesting. It's the same way. You asked about skills. I didn't have any. Um, <laughs> I was just confident I could learn how to do it on the way. I made some mistakes. I made it take longer than it should have because I did one step before I should have. But ultimately, 
it's wood. It's it's your model, and if it's not perfect, it's yours. You have to get over that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know where all the flaws are, but nobody else can see them because they're not looking that close anyway. That's probably the best right. advice right there. <laughs> Remember, you're the only one who knows where those things are, unless you're telling people. They may never know. Right. It's like, oh yeah, this third rib on the inside that you can't see. Yeah, I bent that one. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it it was one of those things. I, I had a plan, just like an airplane plan. Mm -hmm. And you put the pieces down. You figure out what step comes first. And sometimes you have to problem solve. Like I was supposed to fill the nose of it of the kayak with epoxy to seal it all up, give it some strength. It's 18 feet long. I didn't know how to get epoxy to pool in the end of it. So I've got this thing balanced outside the house, strapped to a tree with its nose in a bucket of water so the epoxy doesn't kick off too fast. It was quite the circus of events, but it worked. Um, as one example, one example of problem solving you had to figure out. You're like, how in the and world? On my, on my balsa DR1, I've got to figure out how to mount the third wing because the constructions aren't clear and I've just got to look at it for a bit and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, good. Um, Joe, do you have any questions for Jesse about what he's been up to or, or some things that he might be able to tell us about what we might get into here? No, you're covering it pretty good. Um, okay. All right. And I, look, I know we all hung out at Flight Fest, so I just was wondering if there might be questions you had as we went along here. Um, would you do it uh, again? Oh. Yeah, would you do it again, right? <laughs> Have you already got the plane ticket for next year? <laughs> only, no, but only because we don't know exactly when it'll be yet. <laughs> awesome. So you are coming with us next year? Yeah, wouldn't change a thing. Awesome. Heck yeah, man. Whoop, whoop. Awesome, I'm really you know, excited. Uh, you bring your own tent, get your own butler. <laughs> Oh, yeah, your butler. I, I was a little jealous. I'm going to have to get one of those. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost forgot about that. Oh, your tent is way bigger than it looks on you. You're like, oh, it's just this little tent. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Every time I, it's like, it just keeps unfolding. <laughs> Every time I set that tent up. I believe it. Oh, my God. All right. So why don't, why don't we head on to the main topic? Um, and I think what, we, what I think would be a good idea is if everybody, like, we're going to kind of, maybe we alternate and, like, kind of leapfrog uh, down this list here. And I've got a list of, of just series of different kind of games and a general, uh, general description of kind of what you might do. Now, these are just ideas. Uh, these are ones I, half of these, I haven't even seen exactly, but there's a couple of them that are pretty neat. And there's certain, um, that you can, you can actually use in like simulator. If we do another sim night, um, we could absolutely set up some of these things. I know some of them are already built into some of these, uh, to a number of these, uh, simulators because they are common games that you play when you get together with your friends. So, um, who wants to take the first one, and then we'll we'll continue in the order we go as, uh, all the way through. Just why don't you take the first? Oh, I was almost paying attention there. So you want <laughs> me to just kind of read through these? Got it. Yeah, just to read about it, and we'll talk about it real briefly, and then we'll we'll keep going. All right. So I uh, see the first one on your list looks like uh, flight test style combat. Is that where you want me to start? Yeah. 
That's uh, one I think we're all familiar with. Sure, yeah. Here. Flight test style combat goal, basically take out everyone else's plane and be the last one still flying. Uh, lots of different kind of variations and things you can do in this. Like after a certain amount of time, you might pick a target. Yeah, I know. And, and one of the ones, they had a big pink foam like failure, like one of the planes didn't didn't go. But it was giant. It was like a big signboard, basically. And they said, all right, first person to hit that plane wins. <laughs> yeah, at flight test specifically, after a certain amount of time, they lower the ceiling. Everybody below 100 feet or below 50 feet. Do you bring it tighter? Mm -hmm. And then if you know, after five, six minutes has gone by and, you know, we're starting to worry about battery, <laughs> some of them were just like, okay, who can crash into the ground most spectacularly? You know, it was just the whole <laughs> idea was to get rid of your airplane yep. <laughs> in a way. First one to get to the ground wins. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that and was a lot of fun. Honestly, the designs around that, like with this in mind, dictated a lot of the design of the aircraft. There were some aircraft that had bars in front of their props to protect them from strikes. Some had anchors. We caught one of those. Some of them had, or hooks rather, you know, you know, things yep. to foul up other airplanes. It really was interesting to see how that, the goal changed the airplane design. Yeah, definitely. And, and with, uh, with that whole festival being about building crazy and going out and having fun, it, it was really interesting to see their variety that people came up with. And the ones that like, uh, the popsicle anchors seem to be very popular. He's like, oh, I can do that. And it's and it's it works. It's useful. Um, yeah, there's lots of variations. I mean, flight test was total destruction. It could be, uh, it could be virtual. Like the flight test, their videos. They've got a virtual laser tag sort of system. So a lot of different ways of doing that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know. We'll. I think we'll. Yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking about. Uh, maybe when Joe and I get together, I know I've got two or three systems, I think, I bought so that I could get my kids involved. Um, and then we could go out and fly and shoot each other down and have some fun with it. I don't know how, uh, as I understand, you can basically only get about eight planes up at one time, um, partly because of the FPV system and how many channels got you can it. do at once. Sure. Um, but still, I mean, eight planes in the air trying to shoot each other down is a lot of fun, especially if you're FPV. Um, cool. Uh, Joe, you want to do the, the next one or do you want me to do it? Um, <coughs> I mean, I can, I can say it's simple bomb drop. Um, but I, like, I've not been part of a club to know all the different activities. So when I see that, my thought is just lay out a ground target and have some sort of a release mechanism on your plane and mm -hmm. try to try to drop an object onto the target. Yeah. Uh, let's say they, they recommend uh, basically having it, whatever you put up on the ground is it's, it's some sort of temporary, uh, temporarily attached to the ground. Uh, so you can, you're not like leaving it there forever. And that you basically put like a, like a large nut or something like that with maybe um, some some uh, some powder or something inside it or around it. So when it hits, it kind of makes a little poof mark uh, and like a little okay. dot. 
Um, and then basically wherever it lasts, you know, wherever it lands, it'll kind of sit in that zone and you can kind of count, you know, how many points you got, especially if you set it up where there's multiple rings. Um, let's see. Uh, you could have, you know, you can vary the number of like passes people get, attempts to do the dropping. I know that's something that if we were to build Stukas, uh, that'd be a lot of fun to do a dive bomb test. And basically have our FPV systems and then do a bunch of dive bombs and see how, how close we can get to our targets. Hmm. You know, like have... Nice thing... Go ahead. I would say nice thing about a simple bomb drop is it can be a solo event as well. You know, how close can you get to your target? I've seen people drop um, paratroopers. I've seen people drop candy for their kids. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a competition in your club. But you can just... That's a fun event or fun thing to try anyhow. Yeah, it definitely is. You could also bring a couple cardboard boxes, too, and like represent like fake buildings or whatever. Like if you're if you're trying oh, sure. to do the the bomb run, you know, kind of deal. Like, hey, our bunker is here, and this is a hospital. Don't bust bust up the hospital, you know, or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, one of the one of the things they recommend as a, a variant would be get one of those plastic eggs, and then fill that plastic egg with a bunch of flour or something like that. And when you drop it, it makes a big, you know, it makes a, a big display when you hit. Um, oh, that's solid. Yeah. I thought that that might be a pretty fun thing to do when you and I get together something, put a put a target out somewhere and see if we can't hit it. Well, cool. What kind of plane are you thinking to use for a bomb drop? Say an egg filled with flour. What are you going to use to drop that? I mean, ideally, I'd make a bomber. Yeah, make a dive like bomber. Duck with it with with its tail open up or something like that. Okay. Uh. Well, I'm. I mean. Yeah. There's that. You, sort of you could do it with the old fogey. Yeah. Huh? You're like, as long as it's big enough to hold the weight. Put 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 put. Well, the old fogey. <laughs> that's almost cheating. It's like, okay, I'm over the target. Yep, I'm still over the target. Ah, still over the target. Matter of fact, I'm going backwards across the target because the wind kicked up. I'll get back there in a second. <laughs> no, that's a good idea though. Uh, using old fogies or something like that. Um, even the tra- trainer planes are really good because uh, they usually have a lot of um, capacity, uh, and you know they're predictable. So that's not a bad idea. I was thinking more for dive bombers, just because it'd be a different style where you basically go over the target, you turn over and come down, and it could be as spectacular. Hey, I didn't pull out of that. As much as, as I release the bomb and uh, I hit the target. Right. Now, okay. I do want to pose a question. So, when, you, when you're when you loading your bomb, depending on what it is or what plane you're putting it in, you may not be able to get it right on center of gravity. Right. So. It could be I fun. Mean, I mean, it's going to throw your, it's going to throw your center of gravity way off. If you don't have it exactly on. So that's when you look at a bomb. So if you build a bomber and you build a bomber to scale, the bomb bays are on CG period. Like that's the only way they work really. Um, So if you ever look at it, go ahead. I would say you are going to have to get ready for flight characteristics changing as soon as you let go of that thing though. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's like one sticking off the bottom of your plane, your drag is very different. 
you know, your drag envelope mm. is very different on that plane once the, the big giant Nerf bomb comes off the bottom. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it depends on how aerodynamic you have it. Um, either way, it's a lot of fun. Uh, okay. Definitely worthwhile experience. I was just experience. picturing having two, one on each wing and only dropping one. And until you drop that other one, it's going to fly a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you're going to have to put a, a little bit of rudder and a lot of aileron. I'm thinking. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, to me, I'm thinking, Joe, next time we get together, we should try something like that. Sure. I don't know what plane I'm going to have built to do it. Uh, get that RV7 finished. It'll take it. We could put like a little carriage on the underside of it. Like the whole thing. Maybe. Um. Anyway, all right. So let's move on to the next one. Let's say loops aloft uh, is what, the, what it's called. And it's basically where basically uh, a pilot takes off and somebody says go and they have one minute or whatever time you designate uh, to do as many loops as possible. They get a point for every loop they complete. Um, you could be difficult about what a loop is, like is it in line or, you know, how, how round are your loops or something like if you're getting sloppy. Um Maybe you don't score them or something like that. But anyway, you have one point per loop. Uh, maybe they're inside or they're outside loops. Um, maybe two points for an outside loop and one point for an inside if you want to get fancy. These are just options you can have. And, um, or you don't tell the pilot how much time they have. <laughs> you just tell them go. And then you just count. Um, and then uh, let's see the loops that are the uh, loops that are under a minute count. And then the loops that go over the minute are subtracted. <laughs> and you don't tell them how long. You just go, okay, go. Here's your minute. And then you just, you got a timer and you're just counting them. Do you get bonus points for folding your wings? <laughs> I would imagine. I know I'd give points for folding your wings. You get 10 extra points for folding your wings. Jeez. <laughs> um, but that's, but that's, that another contest you know something to have fun with uh bring out a plane that you have you know a good time with and nobody says you have to do them close to the ground but maybe you get points for every 50 feet you bring it close to the ground <laughs> your points double all right uh a thought. yeah definitely jesse what's the next one we've got the limbo um quite popular in all sorts of places but with an airplane so how do you do that Pretty with an simple. airplane? Pretty simple. You, you go under a ribbon. Uh, you place poles in the on the a runway or a field or wherever your row is that you're going to fly, your flight line, and tie a ribbon or a streamer between the two and go under it. And I would imagine keep lowering that ribbon yep. until you've got planes scraping the dirt or they <laughs> chicken out. Yeah. Now, of course, go under it inverted which for me would be dangerous i don't do much inverted flight but i can imagine the excitement i'm underneath it and then you pull up and oh <laughs> wait up uh, is down uh-oh <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, limbo everybody knows the limbo go under a bar bar gets lower and lower and lower until until everybody's out doesn't fit i guess or they are everybody passes but one guy's like he's still in it so yeah uh, um, and yeah, of course, you can add, you could add all sorts of scoring to it. You know, okay. you add two. You could do extra points for doing it inverted. You could maybe have a ribbon near the ground that's under the line. If you hit that, 
maybe get an extra point because you've gone above and below, wait, below and beyond. I don't know. Well, you, you have, you've, you've hit the, the bottom limit. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure there's all sorts of variations you can do. Uh, maybe you get points for touching the ground. Maybe you detract points for touching the ground. Mm-hmm. It depends on the people flying with you, I think. Yeah, right. It depends on the skill up and all that stuff. You you set it up for the the kinds of people you're going to be doing the uh, the contest with, I guess. Those are good ideas. I have yeah. Have you ever done one of those? I've heard about them, but I've never done one. I have not. The event I went to, it happened the day after I had left. But I think on the the Discord we saw a video and a picture of one of the planes doing that. Inverted, by the way. I was quite <laughs> impressed. Yeah, I know, right? What? Yeah, I, I can't do that at 100 I mean, feet, let alone personally six. Personally, for me, just lining up with the thing to go under is the first challenge. Yeah. And then getting down low enough, that's maybe not as hard, but you just think you're doing like touch and goes and just it's under that line. But that line has got to add a, just a, that little extra layer of stress. That, yeah. Yeah, it would definitely psych me out. <laughs> I could tell it would. You know what I mean? Like, there's times I'm like, ah, I'm cool. I'm just doing touch and goes. It's all good. And then somebody's like, hey, don't go too high. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> and also, you know, it doesn't have to be as wide as the field. It could only be a 10-foot gap yeah. as well. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> all right, so what's the next one, Joe? Or is that mine? That's uh, you've- Is that mine? No, I think it's mine. You've got here, though, uh, because you're the one that came up with all these, uh, the 100-yard dash. So it looks like it's like a race, a a speed race, but without taking off. So this is reliant on planes planes that can either skim along the ground or have landing gear. Um, it looks like a point to point, hundred yards without leaving the ground, and whoever gets to the other hundred yard line fastest, gets, you know, <laughs> I've never heard of this fastest one. time. Yeah, like a weird concept. It strikes me as like a chicken race. <laughs> what? Can I take? Can I take the wing off mine? It just <laughs> tricycled. The, I mean, I know that'd be easier sometimes. Fastest time without taking off wins. That's awesome. Uh, so you're saying you could do it all at once, like all the planes line up and you just go? That'd be its own special kind of oh, like combat that derby. terrible. <laughs> I have a hard enough time taxiing straight, let alone racing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, that could be a lot of fun. That could be a lot of – it would strike me as like a big chicken race. <laughs> um, Jesse, I'm going to lean on you. You, uh, I'm going to do this this next one here, and then we're going to go back to the dead stick landing for you. Because you had sure. talked about it, like you'd seen it. So uh, another one that we've seen, and I've seen this in uh, simulators, is spot landings, where they basically have like a point, and then they have like a distance out from that point. Um, and then what you're trying to do is basically touch your wheels on a designated spot on the runway. And that the goal on that is ultimately to increase your skill so that you can set your plane down wherever you want it to be set down. So you kind of plan on when it's when it's going to hit. Um and it basically, you start out with a big circle, and as you go through the contest, you kind of bring the circle smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, I know Real Flight has that. Uh, I'm not sure if 
Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the other freaking Phoenix. Uh, I don't know if Phoenix has it. But, you know, when you get together with a bunch of people in the simulators, you might be able to find that contest. So look out for it. It's not an easy one at all. At least I've found it very hard. Well, you kind of get floaty there at the last second or you don't get too early. Yeah. Yeah, it's very easy, especially as the spot gets smaller and smaller. Um, Jesse, you were talking about the dead stick landing. The dead stick landing contest. It actually has parts of the spot landing in it, or it can. The one I watched did. The idea was mostly for your fuel aircraft. They would go up to a certain height, turn off their engine. You can't restart it. Okay. You have to manage your energy and land. It's. It, I suppose it could have started as just practice for when you have an engine out. Mm-hmm. But this particular contest, you go up to an altitude, kill the engine, and manage your energy and, and land in a designated spot. Or closest one to that would basically get points. Now, the one I watched, I think there was bonus. I don't know if it was scored at all. But bonus for, like, tricks on the way down. I saw people go up, <laughs> cut the engine, spin down, do loops, come in, inverted downwind, flip over and land. No engine. I'm like, it's impressive. <laughs> wow. Um, now, they did allow electrics to go with them. I just don't think there's enough, as much stress to that because I can turn it back on. <laughs> they had to hit their kill switch. And do everything. It doesn't look as impressive because most of those don't have a break in the prop. It's still windmill. Okay. But it's the same idea. You, you, somebody watches them hit the kill switch. They don't have power, and they do the same thing. Yeah. But generally, it's you know the fuel planes that go up, and that's it. Your engine's out. You've got this. You've got this much altitude. Show me what you can do with it, and land safely in this zone. That was nice. actually fun to watch. I really enjoyed that one. Nice. All right, Joe. I think uh, you've got this one here. Is that me? I might keep, might keep blowing it up. Um, I'll let you take it. All right. Uh, it's a balloon pop, which is pretty straightforward. You you blow up a bunch of helium balloons, tie them on with a pretty thin string. That way they don't get tied up in the motor uh, and kind of ruin somebody's engine. Uh, and you set them up at the far end of the field at different heights and see who can pop them. Um you know, it's it seems like it would be easy, but if you've and they also have a balloon pop in some of the Sims. I think either Phoenix had it uh, when we were doing it the one time. Uh, it, plus, you know, if it's windy, the balloons are going everywhere. So, you know, it's not quite as straightforward as you think. Um, a little bit more of a challenge, and of course, you set them lower and lower if you want it to be a little bit more dangerous uh, for the people flying. Depends on the skills you're working with. Um, and you give points for everybody, you know, anybody who pops a balloon or just you have a bunch of them and then one of them has like maybe a prize in it. So everybody flying, you know, if you can pop the one with the prize, that's yours. Oh, do, okay. You know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty something straightforward. Small, something small and light enough that helium could pick up. I, I was thinking just a piece of paper. You kind of put in the balloon that kind of tells you what it is. Okay. Or or whatever it is. It's just It's the one with the thing in it. And if the thing comes out, that's yours. Uh, then it need, you okay. go up to the front and get the prize. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty straight. Most of these are pretty straightforward, but uh, I mean, you can make them as complex or as easy as your uh, as your audience. 
Uh, what about this okay. one, Joe? This is very similar to one of the ones we've already talked about, right? Yeah, I thought that was a, a basically a repeat, but you've got a climb and glide. Um, motor's on for a set amount of time, then you cut it off. Yep. And last one to land, you say, you're say you saying near a spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the title of this would make me think the last one to land, period. Yeah, my understanding was this is a how long can you stay aloft? Yeah, you know. it's more of a glider challenge. Um, or it's like a motorized glider, and basically you can you can you can bring it up as high as you want, and at a certain at a certain amount of like thirty seconds or whatever. After that, good luck finding a uh, a thermal, and whoever can stay aloft the longest. Uh, but you can't just let it go way out there. You got to bring it back. So it's a little bit of energy management on the way back. This would be definitely more on the relaxing, calm sort of competitions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could be going off on the side while you do other things. Yeah, I think there's I like some a, of those gliders. Could... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, there and there was professional competitions devoted specifically to this, where they have literally a timer mechanism that allows your motor to only run for thirty exact seconds. It has an altimeter that once you get up to a certain point, it will cut off the motor. Um, there, there's a couple different versions of that. I think it's, a, oh, geez, I want to say it's a F5J or something like that, or F3J uh, is the type of the competition. I, I looked it up and then I lost it. So, uh, but we're going to be talking about that because that's something I definitely want to learn a little bit more about. It's yeah, F5J. Um, I definitely want to learn a little bit more about it as we start heading into. Uh, I know Joe and I have been talking about getting into some gliding. So as we do that, I want to learn a little bit more about the competitions that go around it. So this would be a good example to kind of get people, get their whistle wet for some of those competitions, see if they might be interested, see if they have talent. Mm-hmm. I will say briefly, the first real glider I flew uh, was a fantastic experience. You should try it out. Even if you don't think you're going to like gliders, give it a shot. It may surprise you. I agree. Um, I didn't think I'd like gliders at all. I was like, oh, they're going to be boring. And then I did it and went, wow, this is better. Why am I flying anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. You know, uh, you get a lot more time on a battery. And it's a lot more about energy management. And if you're lucky, you catch a thermal. And then that's a whole different ballgame. A lot of fun. I remember when I got to fly your simple soar. Um, that one time and caught a couple thermals and just like, next thing you know, your plane is just rocketed up there. You're like, when, when did I get up there? How did I get so high? It's like, you caught a thermal, sir. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's like, you just got another three minutes of flight. Congratulations for nothing. Um, one of the other. Congratulations. You leveled up. (laughs) You leveled up. Yeah. And that's the thing is that there's a whole lingo to learn. And while you don't tend to use it a whole lot when you're doing powered flight where you're just hammering the plane through the sky. Um, if you do have a motor out, you can certainly use that to bring, to conserve your energy, to bring it back and have a success rather than a failure way out there. And you got to get, you know, get the ATV and see how far you, how far your plane went. For me, it was, I had at the time been flying very overpowered foam planes and the glider was such a drastic change. It was flying the plane rather than, like you said, shoving your way through the air. Mm-hmm. You had to fly it. You had to manage everything. 
Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you you'll be flying along and you'll you'll a wingtip will pop up and you'll be like, oh, oh, there's there's a there's an air bubble. And and as somebody who's done the full scale fly, flying, I feel like I'm running over like air speed bumps. <laughs> when I hear an air air pocket, I I feel like the engine the engine slows the the plane tips up, and that's where I'm at the very beginning of that air bubble. Right. And then I can feel myself kind of level out. The engine kind of speeds up a little bit. And I hit the back of it. The tail comes up and I start nosing down. And that the prop goes even faster because now I'm going, I'm getting pushed through the air on the backside of that bubble as I slide down it. And they're real. Hmm. And it's interesting because I'm like, oh, this is what it is from inside the plane. Because I remember dealing with it from the glider perspective of just watching it and kind of seeing how the glider is reacting to this air mass that you can't see, but you can see what's happening to the plane to know it's there. Uh, and it's kind of looking at those signals and trying to see now that you see it, like how can I turn around and get into it and use it? It's, it's pretty cool. It, it's a whole different level of uh, flight. I think it teach, it taught me a lot about what's happening. Uh, getting a good mentor in that is also a big plus. Yeah, having a good a good mentor would be a real plus. Well, next time you come out, uh, I'll see if I can't reach out to some of the guys in my club. There's two or three guys that are really <laughs> good at that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, man. You, I missed it, didn't I? That was yeah, that was supposed to be a real solid elbow, and you just like I'm not that good. absorbed I, it. I'm not that good at it. No, I'm not good at I that. I almost stuff. jumped in on that, but I decided I was going to let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm focused. I'm it was too good a setup and too easy. I it was good. I know. I was like, he's he's calling me out. No, I'm. I, if you want to call me a, a mentor, I'm not that. Not in this. Uh, I've just done it once or twice. I'd hope to show you what I know, and hopefully that's enough to get you excited about it. But. Um, the trick would be to get uh, somebody who can get you there um, and kind of teach you what's going on in the sky. That'd be that's the cool thing. I had one of those guys when I was just sitting there, like with my little foamy, and he had a radian. He's like, "Oh yeah, hold on, let me throw mine out." And he throws. He's flying around. He's like, "Hey, you should come over here. There's a thermal over here." I'm like, "How do you know?" He's like, "Check it out." And when you're and he brought his in, he, we we did it with a simple store, and he showed me what was going on. He goes, "Your plane's too light. It's like." getting knocked back by the, by the bubble of wind. You know, you can see the whole front of it's like flipping around and his is just kind of cutting through it because it has a little bit more weight. Mm. Um, so it was interesting to see all that. Uh, anyway, we'll get into that later sometime uh, when, we, when we build ourselves some gliders and have fun with them. Um, I think the last, last one that I saw uh, was a slalom course. And this is one where if you really don't care about the plane you've got, <laughs> and and you're willing to take it take it uh <laughs> take it directly into the wing um you have a row a bunch of rows of vertical or one row of vertical pipes uh, like pvc pipes that you have to fly around and like a crepe limbo bar that goes over uh, or under them and then basically so once it, and then sometimes you can even do it where like there's a hoop shot at the end so you have like a big like double size hula hoop or whatever at the very end sticking up. You have to fly through, you know, because the slalom wasn't enough. Or you have a couple horizontal bars. You have to go up and over and under and over and under. So you're basically doing these maneuvers side to side or up and down. And then like one last like bust through a hoop. They just say that 
<laughs> oftentimes those end in a lot of carnage <laughs> as a plane's yeah, crack I, into the PVC, and that's the end of both. I can imagine. I've tried that sort of maneuver with imaginary poles with my simple stick or ugly stick, whatever it's called. And yeah, a hard bank left, so you're, you know, knife edge, and then all oh, to the right knife edge, just these sharp, hard. It's really, really easy to overdo that and hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you said they're imaginary. So, so you can imagine right. if there's a PVC pipe in the way. Oh, I would have hit them for sure. <laughs> yeah. I did think of two more things for your list here while we were going through it. All right, go ahead. Okay. Just real quickly, I was thinking um, some formation flying I think would be a lot of fun. Either teams um, get just fly close together. I just think that would be fun. So kind of like combat, but maybe without actually hitting. And then nice. when they actually do compete with just pattern flying. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Just an actual uh, loop to a figure eight to a whatever. Mm-hmm. It, I was talking about that earlier, and I think that's such a popular one. It has become a sport. Um, yeah, there, there's a there's a legit like standard pattern set that I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the F three A F three A pattern flying. I thought it was like IMAC or something. Some of the I think bodies of it or something like that. Uh, that might be the ca- Canadian, I guess I, this is what came up, uh, the Canadian oh, Precision know. Acrobatics, or Aerobatics, I mean, <laughs> Acrobatics. Uh, <laughs> and it's been just, it's series of set events that basically you were literally going back and forth in a line doing these. Yeah, the ones I have tried, it's the idea is everybody in the event does the exact same routine. Mm-hmm. And you're judged on it. Now, for me, I just like doing the routine because it does force me to try new things in new patterns that I wouldn't normally do. Like, you know, I go flying, I'll turn left the whole time and realize I haven't gone to the right. Um, the pattern flying makes me do different things. So. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, I have to turn left? Oh, no. I'm not an ambi-turner. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just Jesse thought of those two other flying NASCAR. <laughs> yes, it pretty much. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely a, a good way to do it too. And it, you could just select your own set and just work on those. And I notice what a lot of people do is when they do like a barrel roll or they do uh, that kind of thing, they'll do quarter, half, you know, three quarter full over and then they they bring it out in steps so it's a very precise maneuver and that's in some senses kind of practicing elements of of this whole thing let me tell you i you know i it's really impressive to see an airplane do a quick you know roll or you know axial roll but when you start doing the slow roll you actually have to fly the plane it doesn't just over fast enough that the air doesn't care you know, when you're sideways, mm-hmm. you have to use different surfaces. When you're upside down, you're using different surfaces. And you just, the slower and smoother, that's hard. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I've definitely. I've trying that. I posted the link I had forgotten earlier from the Northwest RC. Wonderful. Uh, the, I see that. I got it right here, and I will put it in the show notes. Good. All right. There's the NorthwestRC.com. Um, good. 
That's that's excellent pattern flying. Um, I'll see if I can't get the name because our, our club president was specifically talking about. He belongs to the organization that kind of founded a lot of the technical aspects of that, and he was actually going to give classes on some of the weekends on on how to get into that. And he's like, "Look, just bring your plane. We'll do it for like a couple hours. Show you what we're doing." give you pointers and then you just go try it, you know? But I was like, that, that'd be really helpful just to get technique down just in general flying. You know, how do you keep a straight line? Cause you have to be able to keep exactly, you know, within a plus or minus like 10 feet, you got to be a hundred, hundred feet out. You know, it has to be a hundred feet from one end to the other. You can't kind of stray out or stray back. Like it has to be in that plane, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which which is a task in and of itself when you haven't done it yet. IAC, that's really, the organization. If you, really, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, I just linked the um, the mini IAC. Yeah. And on the download page, you can download the forms, and it's like a whole other language mm-hmm. about here's your loops and twists, and once you learn that, you can follow their forms. The basic isn't too bad. Then it just gets yeah. harder. Yeah, and that's what it is. Like they start out with like the ba- the the very beginning is something almost any pilot who's not crashing into the ground a lot can can start trying. Um, matter of fact, and, actually, if you have a TX uh, an open TX, you can download a Lua script that has a series of callouts. Yes, and you could build your own thing where basically it will tell you. And I guess every time you hit like the the toggle switch or whatever, it will move on. It'll announce the next maneuver. So when you finish your loop, you, you hit that, the, the temporary toggle switch or whatever, and it'll, it'll go, um, you know, square roll, whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is. Now, my understanding is the basic for the, the one I just talked to the, the organization here. You can mm-hmm. fly any aircraft. IMAC. Yeah. You can fly any aircraft in the basic competition, but as you move up, they have limits on what you can fly certain aircraft. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. And, and that's what he was talking about. The international miniature aerobatic club is the IMAC. Um, there's, that's what our president, he's a member of that. And he was saying like, yeah, they, they're, they're in control of designating what the pattern is and what the rules and stuff are so that everybody's on the same page so they can practice it at their own field and then bring it to these competitions and possibly, you know, uh, place and succeed. It's pretty cool. So yeah, go, go take a look at the link down, uh, on, on our website or, or on our, um, on the show notes here, it's mini hyphen IAC.org is, uh, the one that leads you to the iMac and it goes into all the, how to begin and, and you know, what, it, what are we talking about? How to join and where they start doing the national, you know, the national, uh, exhibitions. So how can you get involved? Right. Um, good. I think that's, I think that really kind of covers it for everything that I've heard about or even, even more that I wasn't even sure about. Like, I was like, Oh, that would be pretty cool to do. Um, I'd mm-hmm. like to thank, uh, the good forum members on the wattflyer.com, uh, group. They, they basically put together this, they started it and a bunch of people joined in and I was like, this is kind of what I was wanting to talk about. And I had like three or four of these already. Um, but they, they kind of added a bunch more inspirational pieces. I think, uh, and I've seen half of these though, you know, talking about, I'm like, yeah, I've heard people talk about these. Um, I just know our club doesn't do a whole lot of it, but yeah. So Jesse, so you're saying we should go to different fly-ins 
and then we can we can maybe see some of these things too. I think if you've got more than one club in your area, it it's worth it to check them out. Definitely. Cool. All right. Uh, I think that I wish I had a club in my area. You know, Joe, you can start a club in your area. Do you need? I can ask our president to get on and talk to us about how we can do that. Would you like us? Would you like to do that? Well, we might have to do that. Okay. Because I have thought about it, but I'd have to actually build and fly a lot more than I currently am. No, you don't. You just have to get a bunch of people who are also enthusiastic about it. And there's nobody in this I'm area. Sure the president of that. my club. I'm pretty sure the president of my club hasn't flown in a year and a half. So. You don't have to fly. You don't have to fly to be like, <laughs> but like the goal is to like, you, de- you get an area that you can work in, that you work with the owners and you get a handful mm. of like-minded people. And then from there it'll grow. You might be able to work with the local parks group so that you could designate at certain times that you could use the certain spaces and that might be free of charge. And all you're doing is basically kind of allowing them to set aside that space where people, if they complain, can go beat feet. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, uh, other times this is your park, right? You can do all the soccer you want. But in this and this time, at this time of day, we've we've agreed that this is what we can do over here. And, you know, and sooner or later, there might be people who just say, that's a good idea. I want to do it, too. Mm-hmm. So we'll figure that out. I'll, I'll reach out to him and see what we can do. He's always uh, been very... Um, very open to that kind of thing. And he's always said, yeah, man, anytime you need, just call me up. I'll see if I, if I have time, I'll come on on and we'll talk. There you go. So but I've taken him up on it. It's only been two years. I know. Right. He's going to be like, finally, <laughs> what heck took you so long? And, I, and I'll have to just say, you know, we've been just getting around to it. Um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I hope, honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, one of these days you can come out and meet him. He's uh Kent Porter. He's a good guy. Uh, he's our, He's one of those people that uh, there's a reason why he's a club president. It's because mm. everybody just is like, yeah, I'm glad I'm flying with this guy. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, good. Uh, so that brings us to the, the end of the main topic. Usually we, at this point, kind of talk about uh, what we plan on doing in the next little bit. Yeah. Well, in the next little bit, assuming uh, this episode went live uh, at the quote-unquote regular scheduled time, which I don't think I've actually posted directly, like a scheduled publish and forever. I just let it rip when it's ready. But okay, if somebody was listening as soon as this thing got started, then they are approximately an hour from the build party. So, <laughs> yep, what they need to be doing is getting ready. Build party at <laughs> eleven o'clock. Hurry up! Come on in. Jesse's over there like, what the heck? <laughs> no, I just know that I'm on. I, I'm not quite to listening to these the moment they come out, and I will not be at the build party. I have a flying event to go to that's that a, day. That's okay. That's oh, a better, man. that's a really good excuse. I mean, I've heard a lot of excuses, but that's a good one. I figured True. it was, you know, a flying group. That That's okay. <laughs> Nice. There is going to be a swap meet in the beginning and flying in the evening. So who knows what I'll sell. I'm selling a few. Okay. Are you selling I'll a few get, so you can buy a few? It depends on what's there. But I'm going to say that's called a trade. Leave that open. <laughs> hey, if, I, if, I come out, if I come out ahead or neutral, I'm okay. I feel I'm good. Nice. Uh, is there anything else you're going to be doing in the hobby? Uh, the next few weeks? Yeah. 
I'm going to try and get out. September is coming. School's starting. But that puts me on a more regular schedule, and I will probably start flying more and more. Okay. So I'm looking looking forward to that. The last month or so has been hot. I haven't wanted to go out in 100 degrees and go flying. It just is is fun. It's pretty so fair. the weather's the weather's gonna start coming back, and I'm looking forward to flying more. Excellent. Uh, what plane are you looking forward to flying next? I honestly, I want to get the. I've got a hog biplane. I haven't flown in a while. I'm looking forward to getting that up. Why is it called a hog biplane? No idea. Okay, but everybody, I, I, it's been around forever. It's Sig hog biplane. Right. Oh, that's that's kind of the, one of the things I wanted to bring up because we're talking about combat planes, and I almost forgot about it. But there's a list of like c- common, you know, combat planes. Any EPP wing is a great combat plane. EPP is one of those materials that's really resilient. It'll take a crash and still stay together. Um, the the wonder, like the, oh, the yeah. bloody wonder or the one the fun bat, uh, is another example. Um, well, you just started putting together the, the foam wonder. Yeah, the and one. I found out how well built that is. That is like a brick house. I'll tell you what. Um, it is. Uh, I, I haven't put the barbecue skewers in the front edge of the wing, like I'm planning. But other than that, okay. I mean, I don't see this having any issues in a crash. I was for quite a while. impressed with that with that build. That's yeah. a good stout plane. It's very, very uh, durable is what it looks like. Um, so, Spons, thanks for putting that together <laughs> and and well put together for that matter. I tell everybody about that plane. Like, I love it. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I'm, I'm putting that together. And like I said, once I, I get it looking pretty, uh, it'll be ready. I'm going to give it a maiden flight and kind of hopefully not do too much stupid stuff with it. Because it is a symmetrical airfoil, so it'll probably fly just as well upside down as it does right side up. So I'm a little worried about that. But uh, uh, we're going to have a link to some of those uh, foam wonders. Uh, There is uh, a bat, which is basically a planker, an old-fashioned planker plane. Those are traditional. um, Old-school model works has one. There's a SPAD, a simple plastic airplane design. You're basically using the sign material, yardsticks, and, and literally a four-by-four four plastic, like, post as the main fuse. That's that's Maybe. literally how they're designed. You're talking about this for combat, though. Yeah. I feel like that would be cheating. I'm making mine out it's, of metal and plastic, know, and right? yours is out of foam. I mean, what's going to happen? Well, look, depends on the <laughs> – maybe your combat is a spad combat. Where oh, everybody's making imagine? one like that. I'm just listening to that in my head right now, the crunch. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but, I mean, that's a good example. I'm going to list uh, – there's a there's a free plans page on a site called spadtothebone.net. Um, and they, they just have a whole list of kind of plank, basic planes. They're real basic, easy to construct. Um, and so those are just examples of combat-style planes that, that one should definitely – try um and at least look at for inspiration if you're going to make a combat plane there's a couple things you want to consider you know sturdy Mm -hmm. should be durable quick to build it's got to be quick and easy um nothing complicated and it doesn't it shouldn't be that expensive because you shouldn't care if it goes down it it shouldn't be a big deal um so I i was surprised that most of the parts were reusable i mean i broke prop 
but the motor, ESC, all the stuff in it, even though the collisions, they're good to go yeah. most of the time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, we, we just got word that Joe's internet just crashed. Um, so we may have to finish this out without him, which is a big deal. Uh, I almost pulled it off myself <laughs> last time. So we'll see. Um, I mean, Joe's going to talk about what he was up to uh, in the next week. It sounds like he's going to be uh, in the build page. He's probably going to either be building some sort of glider or maybe he'll be working on the 7 or, or who knows. Um, he might even be putting together, if he starts printing the rest of that plane, he might be putting together a 3D printed plane. So we'll see. Join oh, us. That'll be exciting. Yeah, join us to figure that out. Um, I'm going to be finishing up the Wonder. Um, I've got, I'm going to get this SR-72 off my desk because it is giant. And so I need to finish the motor mount uh, stiffener and get that done so I can get it off my build table and out into the skies. If I crash it, I crash it. I will cry a little. Um, But I'm hoping that I have a blast and have a good film running, um, a good camera running at the time that I do have that crash uh, so I can share with everybody. Uh, I definitely want to get those things going. I know I'm going to be flying the Dragon Dallas Tree Dragon foam board uh, plane. I'm probably going to rebuild the Flying Shark and see if I can get that. I figure that's probably about all I'm going to be able to do. Um, kids are coming back and going back to school in at the end of those two weeks, and it's going to turn into hectic time. So, um, but I think that's enough to keep me busy. And I'll be at the build night, uh, the build day, I guess, build event uh, this Saturday. So we'll be doing that. And then hopefully we'll be able to talk about when we can do our next event after that. So we can announce it well, uh, well in advance. All right, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on uh, and talking to us about all this junk, um, all the fun things you can do in at your flying club. Now, it has been a blast. I'm always happy to hang out and chat with you guys. And I have some ideas of things to do now. I hadn't, some of these games I hadn't considered. Yeah. So. Well, good. I'm glad that helped you. Hopefully it helps some of our other listeners uh, who are kind of going, I wonder if I could set something like that up. Um, really just go to your next meeting at your local club and, and bring it up and see who's interested. Um, and like you said, just start doing it and hopefully it'll be an exhibition that kind of brings other people to go, yeah, I want to do that. How, what'd that take? And you're like, nothing. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'll do it too. Um, all right. So one I, I'm going to go through our closing stuff. I'm probably not going to do it as well as Joe does, but, uh, as always, thank you so much for joining and listening. And if you made it all the way to the end, we greatly appreciate it. It helps our numbers of course, but most importantly, it makes Joe and I feel Really, really good that you're still listening. Um, you can reach me at Matthew at AviationRCNoob.com. You can reach Joe at Joe at AviationRCNoob.com. You can reach both of us at the same time at AviationRCNoob at gmail.com. You can go to our website at www.AviationRCNoob.com. You can, um, I don't know, what else do we have to do? Uh Join our patrons at, at Patreon slash Aviation RC Noob. Um, you can spread the word, pass information, visit us on Facebook. Uh, just shout the word. Tell people how amazing this podcast is if you think it is. 
Um, we're really glad you listened, and we hope you stick around for to do some more. Please come and join us in the build night. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. All right, I think that's it. Anything else, Jesse? I think you covered it. All right, awesome. See you later. No, I'm I'm picturing right now Joe is on his computer doing his own outro <laughs> so that he doesn't miss out on it and he'll just splice it in. Uh, yeah. He's probably like, oh, stake it through. Fine, I'll do my own outro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Lordy. Mm. All right, I'm. Uh, if you if you got it ready, we can at least start the blipsy de blops. Oh, I didn't mean to put FAA games we play. Just games we play. Mm-hmm. With okay. with guest Jesse Hampton. Jesse. Episode up. Bow bow. There we go. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Are you? <laughs> He's not any of my friends anymore. But Craig, I think Craig, you, you lost a friend. He's an AI. How did you make him go away? <laughs> I insulted his cousins. Well, I, I don't. If you hear anything in the background, like you know, angry cats or something, you let me know. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be part of the show. That'll be good. If I recall right, even if we had to, just pulling out Jesse's audio, we just don't talk over him. And we should be fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're laughing because good luck on me not talking over somebody? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. All my pants are planes. Keep keep it a mystery. I put my pants on one plane wing at a time. I could see that. I'm just picturing your next Halloween costume. I know, right? That ain't right. It's not pretty either. All right. Are you on board with what we're talking about? Sure. <laughs> Did you see the notes? Dang it, man. No, he probably hasn't. He, I'm he at has. The notes and I can't see. He it. has it in front of him. Oh, he is here. Look at that, Yuri shirt. Look, I'm on top of this stuff, Joe. You are on top of this. I am on top of it today. Man, hold on. There's a page two. There's a page three, baby. It keeps going, buddy. It's not. It's like it's not on here. No, it's not on there. Which which one were you talking about? Yeah, 35. What have, I've totally lost. We're snapping or making a noise on a number, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to start over. Okay. Poor Jesse was just like, <laughs> what? Patch like, okay, we're clicking what? and we're starting now and every five seconds after it, hey, go. And we're just pop, pop, pop. And Jesse's like, I don't understand what's happening. And it was, well, the first one, we were like, Two seconds off on our snaps, the last one we were all together, I'm like, something's going on. Hey. Yeah, that, <laughs> that happens, man. <laughs>